accidentally bought the you know what's fucked up about corona not the virus but the beer you got to be really careful if you buy you got if if it says corona coronita those are like the little mini bottles it's like like a capri sun of beer it blows you got to get coronas not coronita coronita suck thing live what's up guys we are back with episode six and uh this is a guide series podcast uh we uh thank you guys for for tuning in and listening um to the last five episodes we got a bunch of good feedback uh from the one last week ryan warden and uh you know k tricky from dive bomb christina wing with split read um we've gotten a lot of good feedback from every episode cko as well every episode we've done we've gotten a lot of good feedback and uh we just want to say thanks for listening and uh make sure you subscribe and and uh, and leave us a good review um so but without further ado episode six coming your way and uh we got my co-host sean geary what up sean happening and uh we got two of my uh, good buddies. Uh, one of them I work for. Um, he's with Arkansas Duck Masters. His name is Chad Halbert. Chad, say what up. Ha- ha- hello. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we have uh, Guy Proctor. Uh, he is uh, he's from uh, Arkansas as well. So what up, Guy? What's going on, guys? Um, thank you guys for coming on. We appreciate it. And we talked about you know you two coming on. We just had to figure out uh, the right, you know, time period to get you both on. But I wanted both of you on, uh, you know, Guy and Chad are both really good friends. that grew up together uh, and, uh, and, and did a, you know, have done a bunch of hunting uh, together. So um, they know each other really well. And I was fortunate enough to meet, meet him a couple years ago. And, uh, and we've shared, uh, shared a lot of good mornings in the duck blind together. So I'm pretty thankful for all that. Um, Guy, what is it that you do currently for a living? And uh, and where where are you from? Kind of just tell us who you are. Man, I'm currently living in a small town outside of Memphis, Olive Branch, Mississippi. Uh, I grew up in Forest City, Arkansas, over kind of where Chad's from. Uh, my family farmed over there. Um, uh, graduated high school over there. Moved over to Olive Branch uh, a little bit after high school. Uh, currently, I work for a company called the Lilly Company. We're a material handler dealer. Uh, basically, what we do, we're the Toyota forklift dealer for the Southeast. So basically, I sell all our used equipment. So uh, obviously, the good part about the job is a lot of my customers sell to a lot of farmers and co-ops and things like that. And a lot of those guys like to hunt. So therefore, in the wintertime, uh, I'm fortunate enough that I get to spend a lot of time in the duck blind, you know, taking customers and things like that. I got you. Uh, Chad, what is it uh, that you do? For a living, kind uh, of, who are you? <laughs> well, I grew up here in Four City, and I farm out in Palestine, Arkansas. And uh, during the winter, I guide duck hunting. Uh, I have a guide service. It's called Arkansas Duck Masters. And uh, we started that right as soon as I got out of college. And uh, that's about it. I got you. And, and I, that's where I'm currently guiding uh, for everyone listening. And uh, I was lucky, like I said, lucky enough to meet Chad and, and to, uh, I, guess, I guess, for him to like me enough and, uh, and to hunt with me a couple different times and say, hey, come on, you need, a, you need to come guide with us. We need one. 
and uh, and the the timing ended up working out last year, and and I had a blast. Just to let you know, uh, guiding was guiding was awesome. Well, I had a great time too. I appreciate it. Um, so let's talk about, and we'll get back to Arkansas Duck Masters here in a little bit, but let's talk about Arkansas Ducks, like the good, the bad, the ugly. You guys have been there forever, uh, hunted Arkansas Ducks forever. You know, back in the day, or maybe when you guys were in high school and stuff, how how has it changed um, as far as the duck hunting, maybe the pressure, you know, the climate? You, I'm sure you guys have had some warm summer, I mean, warm winters, but, you know, what you know what's kind of changed from from back when you guys really know it was it was really good um i guess i'll start off um uh you know i can remember you know and like i said my grandparents farm so uh, first of all the thing that's changed a lot personally i believe is it's become more of a business um you know and uh, farmers are able to you know supplement their income every year by you know by leasing out their fields in the in the winter and that sort of thing which takes away from, from, you know, when I was a kid, you could pretty, anybody, pretty much anybody would let you hunt your property as long as you respected it. Um, the Langill River is a uh, big river kind of around where we're from that, that has got some really good duck hunting on it. Um, when I was a kid, you know, you could go out before high school and, uh, you know, you back a boat in the water, pretty much anybody let you, the river flooded every year, it seemed like. It was always cold. Um, you would just back a boat off anywhere you could get in the water. You pretty much go to any opening out there, throw out a dozen decoys. And if you had three people in the boat within, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you had your limit of mallards and were on the way back to take a shower and make it to school by eight o'clock. So, um, so, yeah. with, so were you guys doing like a bunch of public hunting or because, because your family farmed, were you guys hunting mostly on like, you know, your family land? Yeah, it was all pretty, I, I hunted pretty much all private ground uh, when I was a kid. Um, but like I said, then it was a lot easier to access people's property back then for the simple fact of you didn't have a lot of these, you know, corporations coming and leasing up these uh, duck clubs. And, and there wasn't a, you know, when you really thought of guiding back then, you know, you had some guiding service. But, you know, for us growing up in our area, we had plenty of ducks to kill. So why would we pay somebody to take us duck hunting, you know, back then? Um, and we had plenty of places to go. But when I thought of guiding as a kid, I was thinking like going to like Illinois Canadian goose hunting and things like that. Um, so, but yes, pretty much all private hunting when I was a kid. I got you. Well, I think, or do you, do you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. I think whenever I, when I first started duck hunting, we started hunting on public land that bordered some of my uncle's ground. And we used to go out there and hunt. My dad would take me every day of Christmas break. And we might kill four or five ducks. And uh, my grandpa used to take me down to Rose Lake. And uh, it's on the Langer River. And, I mean, we, we, we would kill some ducks down there, too. But a lot of people always say that the duck hunting was better back in the day. And, 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 and there was more ducks. I, I've, been, I've been duck hunting. My dad started taking me when I was eight years old. And I'm 33 now. And I don't believe that there was, there's more ducks now than ever. The only problem is now is that the ducks are more pressured. And what it, what it boils down to is that you got to be in a good spot to kill them. And the ducks sit on places where they're not, where they're not getting shot. I mean, I, I, I remember as a kid sitting out there and, 
not seen a lot of ducks fly. And, and, and now, I mean, you can about sit in any pit in Arkansas and see ducks coming over. Right. Um, well, what do you think, do you, in, in both, this question is for both of you, so you both can chime in, but do you think the ducks were, were as educated as they are now because the pressure has, has gotten higher? People are using mojos from, you know, Canada all the way down. Do you think the ducks, once they get to Arkansas, were, I guess, were they educated, were they as educated as they are now as when you guys were growing up? No. The, 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 the ducks are a lot smarter now. I mean, the, used to nobody hunted in Canada and, and, and pretty much not very many states going up from Arkansas uh, to the north. And so when they got here, they were pretty well, you know, not very smart. I remember when the Robo came out, though, and we used to have homemade ones. And the first time I ever hunted with one was with uh, Brad DeVazer down the Lane Gill. I went with Bentley. And uh, I, I probably wasn't 10, 12 years old, and every duck in the sky came to it. I mean, you could have been the worst duck hunter in the country and killed a lemon of ducks over it. Like, they just came. And that's probably what sparked the duck hunting interest uh, is because it was easy to kill ducks when the robo first came out. And, and mm -hmm. that probably lasted five years, six years. Right. And, 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 and then that's why early in the season – the ducks are easier to kill than late in the season is truthfully because the robo ducks work early in the season. You know, the, uh, the fresh birds, the, 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 the new hatch still comes to the robo duck, but the older birds don't. And so I think that most of the young birds get killed before January. And that's why January gets tougher. I don't know. What do you think guy? Man, I, I, I do agree with you. Um, definitely uh, the hunting, there's a lot more pressure these days. Um, you're definitely right about the robo. I remember the first day we bought one. We bought it. It was called the Fatal Deduction was the brand new, was the first thing out. Fatal, and wait, hold on. Fatal Deduction? Fatal, fatal Deduction. It was came out of California. Come on. I happened, to be, I happened to be over at Max Ferry Wings one day, and when they said, I didn't even know anything about it. And they, they set a pallet out and people just started like grabbing every box on it. So I was like, damn, I better get one of these. So I pulled it, you know, we're like in high school. So I pull it and I look down, it says $229. I mean, so there was like six of us and I think we come up with damn near 220. We had to come up with $250 basically to get it, but we all had to pull our money together. We didn't have any money. Um, so we buy this thing. And uh, the next morning we set it out and literally Chad is telling the truth. By the time that I flipped it on, but before I got back to the blind, I mean, ducks were just hovering on top of it. It was just absolutely <laughs> sick. Really? I mean, they would be so high in the sky, you couldn't even make them out. And within 30 seconds, they had lost so much altitude. They were, they were trying to land on the back of that thing. But, but yeah, he's right about that. Um, and another thing I think is that, you know, when we were younger, uh, I don't feel like the ducks had near as much pressure on them as they do now because every single pothole has decoys sitting in it right now. I mean, a duck can't land and sit for over five minutes without getting shot at it, it seems like now. Um, another thing when I was talking about, you know, as a kid going down in the river bottoms, you know, you might be in and out of there in 30 minutes with your limit. You know, you're not, you know, to these days, there's a lot of people that are sitting in the blind till you know, 11, 12, one o'clock every day. So the ducks that do get that 10 o'clock flight that does come in looking for a place to rest, they get shot at. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, used to you would kill your ducks, get out of there, you know, back in the day. 
Um, but right, I think and, a lot they of got, it, and they got all day to rest and hang out yeah, and, and not be right, bothered, not be bothered. Right. With. And, and, you know, now, you know, a lot of these people are hunting the same places day after day, after day, after day. So they, you know, so that there's a lot of pressure on them, but, but anyway. That's right. Cause whenever I was a kid, like in high school, I used to go every morning before school, me and Randall did, and we hunted the same duck hoe just about every morning, but we was out of there by eight. And those ducks, by the time we got out of school, they were already back in the hole because we didn't sit there very long. I used to say that if, if you hunted past 9.30, like you pretty much shot the hole out. And that's what makes guiding even hard is because if we don't have our limit early, like you sit there, you know, let's say till 11 o'clock. And, you, are, you know, people say, here, you know, you got a 10 o'clock flight where well, you do. It's because the ducks that you shot at that morning are coming back. And so after you shoot at them again, they're not going to come back. And that's probably one thing that makes us special is we can move to more spots, you know, for the next day and the ongoing that, you know, the ongoing week. But it it's hard to have one really good duck hole anymore. Right. I only know of a few left in the state like that are, People can sit in the same blind every day and just smack them, but 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 those people, you know, most of the time don't hunt that long. Um, yeah, so there's got it's, there's got to be something said for 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 going in there hunting, killing some ducks, maybe not getting your limit, but getting close to it and at a, and getting out of there at a good time because, like you said, that ten o'clock flight's coming around. There, those ducks are trying to come back in there where they've been before, set back in there and rest all day. And so it almost, you know, there's something to say for shooting some ducks. If it's not a banger hunt for the first hour and a half, then, you know, you probably want to start thinking about packing up and going to scout and then coming back there the next day because the, the longevity of that hole will last longer. Oh, yeah, it'll last a whole lot longer. Yeah. But, but, when, but when running a guide service, you know, it's got to be hard when you have clients in there paying clients. It's got to be hard saying – Hey boys, you know it's nine o'clock, nine twenty-five. We can't do it. Yeah, no, you, what, you can't. You I mean, can't. You can't. You can't pick up right there. Going to be like, wait, what? I don't know how many times, like, you know, I mean, and I even told you there were thousands. You know, like that field has got thousands. <laughs> thousands. It's covered up. You're gonna smack them. You're gonna smack them. <laughs> and 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 like the first hour, you know, you do. I mean, they come in thick, heavy, and. You know, you might have picked up 12 birds, you know, and uh, and a lot of that has to do with shooting, but that's a whole other story. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you'd have left that hole at 9 o'clock, for instance, even though you didn't have your limit, by 12 o'clock it would be back full. But instead, you know, we stay out there, you know, and go ahead and shoot them out. And, and that's probably the luxury of hunting with us is because we have another hole to go to the next day. But the problem with the pit leasers, you know, the people that come down and 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 lease one duck hoe a year, the, Arkansas gets a bad name from that too because they hunt that spot all day, and 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 but that's all they have, and I understand, but you can't kill ducks consistently out of a pit hunting all day long. You can't do it. Right. I mean, I can. I mean, I, I I don't know very many pits at all that you can sit there all day, every day, and kill ducks. Yeah, and you and you know, you could probably name off thirty or forty pits right now, just off the top of your head. And so we'll we'll get into gear. You got one? Because I could keep yeah. rolling here. 
Yeah, I kind of got a uh, little bit of a tough question for Chad. I mean, I'm up here in New York, and uh, like like you guys are talking about in the old days, what we do here is we drive around, we find birds, and we ask that farmer for permission, like you were talking about back in your early days. Um, I mean, <laughs> we have this road called Genesee Road, and it's nothing but farms on both sides for miles and miles. And people know my truck on that road. Farmers know my truck on that road because I travel it all day long. That's all I do is chase birds up and down this thing all day long. There's reservoirs, there's swamps on both sides of it. And farmers will ask me, hey, will you get these geese out of my cornfield? Will you get these geese out of my bean field, alfalfa field, whatever it is? And I, I kind of take it for granted. And Hunter could attest to this because I've been to Arkansas four or five times and I see the leases that you guys got. I see the guide services that you guys got going and it's a major operation. Do you look back and say, Oh man, and, and this is tough for you as an outfitter yourself because that you're, you know, you're making your money off of it and that's great. But do you ever look back and say, man, I, I really miss the simpler days where you drive your truck down the road. There's, you know, a couple hundred geese in a field and obviously New York is nowhere near Arkansas, but there are days where you get, 500,000 birds in a field and you go up to the farmer and say, Hey, can I hunt that field? And they say, yeah, go ahead. We don't care. Cause nobody's duck hunting up here either compared to Arkansas where everybody and their sister's hunting. But do you miss those simpler days where it's just drive down the road, find birds, ask for permission, be able to hunt, get your limit or a few birds, whatever it is compared to where now everybody in Arkansas, I've only been to four city in Palestine, Arkansas, but, Everybody there is, that's all Lee's land. Palestine, Palestine. Yeah, like Nathan said the one time, Nathan told a great story the one time, he made me laugh. Uh, he had a guy come up and knock on his door. It was a bunch of high school kids, I think. And they said, hey, can we go hunt your snow goose field, you know, behind your house? And Nathan said, how many decoys do you have? And they said, like, three dozen snow goose decoys. He's like, you might as well go sit in the fucking Walmart parking lot and hunt snow goose from there. But do you miss those – those simpler days of driving around, finding birds, or do you kind of like the way that Arkansas is set up now, at, at least the Palace Nine, Four City area, stuff like that? Well, um, that is a I tough question. Tough. Like, I whenever I, I was a kid, all right, so, so duck hunting and goose hunting is two separate things, like right. majorly on permission. Um, when I was a kid, I mean, you could – you could goose hunt about anywhere and you pro and you just about still can in Arkansas. Most farmers will let you go goose hunting. Um, but duck hunting, I never really rode around and asked anybody if I can hunt, you know, a, a duck hunting spot. Uh, the only spot that I can even think of that held a lot of ducks whenever I was a kid would be, uh, uh, it's right out West. I mean, Melvin's place. And I mean, he never let anybody hunt because they hunted, but, um, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough question. Uh, it is a tough question. I'll but, put but, but there's a lot, th th there's a lot more people hunting than used to, too. Like, I mean, whenever we were goose hunting as a kid, we were about the only people in 30 miles that, that, that were goose hunting. I mean, there was no competition. And, and, and these days, uh, we hunted in that, uh, Stogos Championship, the World Championship this year, and uh, we was fortunate enough that uh, w one of our team members, 
who farms right here beside me, uh, the geese were on him. And I'm not kidding you. There were 20 plus different groups of people come by to, you know, to hunt those same geese. And, um, how'd you guys do how'd you, get, how'd you guys do in the tournament, by the way? We got second in the world. We lost by four geese. Not a big deal, boys. Not a big deal. Continue. Um, uh, but we lost to some great guys, um, uh, and, and they were from Arkansas too, who, uh, we all knew and we talked to the whole time while, while we were hunting. Um, but, I mean, it's just a lot different now. There, there is so many more people hunting. So, but there's some public ground. Like I'm sitting at my farm shop right now. There's some public ground not a mile and a half from here. And when I grew up, I mean, that's where I was telling you that you know I hunted public ground. It, it's 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 on the University of Arkansas pine tree. And uh, there was a duck hoe out there, and, and on uh, <clears throat> Cypress Creek, and and it is amazing. I'm talking about like. We'd go out there and at least, I mean, and, and as a kid, eight ducks to me was a lot because my dad would let me shoot. And I mean, I probably didn't hit nothing, but you know, my dad and them would let me shoot first and everything. And, and I would blow a duck call and I was terrible at it. I mean, that might be one reason we didn't kill a lot of ducks as kids. My dad would let me blow my duck call as hard as I wanted to. And, <laughs> and, and I would learn from my cousin who was really good on the duck call and I would try to mimic him and call it ducks and, uh, but there just, was nobody else hunting out there with us. Like, I mean, you know, it's a big block of ground and we were the only ones hunting it. Nobody was there. Well, by the time I got to college in that same spot, I quit hunting it my sophomore year of college and we border one side of it and, and there'll be 10 groups on a 40 acre spot. I mean, it's really wow. hard to hunt. I mean, you, you right line up across. Oh, definitely. I mean, and, 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 and it was tough. So, I mean, I, I quit hunting there. I, Biomeda is, is, you know, still some pretty good hunting, but a lot of public ground, you know, it has too many people on it, you know, because the competition and, and, and then people get mad at each other. I never got mad at anybody that was hunting around us. We always just thought it was a joke. You know, like not as a joke as they were out there hunting, but like it was funny, you know, the, you know, the, you know, it was like competition or more or less because we were kids. Yeah. And uh, it's probably you know, changed. we had a good time with it. It's probably changed, though, in, you know, hunting in New York, you know, when me and Gary were hunting together, you could just go knock on a door because everyone up there deer hunting. If you would have asked them to deer hunt up in New York, it'd be the same thing like, you know, asking someone in Arkansas if you go duck hunt. They'd be like, no. Like, you know, we got, we either got guys here paying, uh, or whatever the case is, you know, a lot of farmers up in New York, they're all about deer hunting because you guys have some really great, you know, deer hunting up there, but it's not the same, you know, when it gets commercialized down here, when a farmer, you know, is leasing out his fields to make money, then I think it, it becomes different than just knocking on the door. Yeah. It becomes a different thing for sure. And, you know, that's why I knew it was going to be a tough question, but, uh, you know, that's why I look, we hunt a ton of public land up here and we do, pre we do pretty good actually, you know, for New York, especially Hunter's been on a couple of hunts where we had all those pintails flying around out of Conowango and that's public land and mallards and geese. And so you could, you know, 
you can fill your limit on geese and ducks, but, uh, you know, that, I guess that's, that's kind of a luxury we get because we don't have the number of hunters in waterfowl that you guys do down there in Arkansas. Guy, right. let's, let's, uh, let's talk about, you know, uh, you work for a forklift company and a lot of your customers are, you know, hunting like hunters and, you know, you do, you, 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 you turn, you turn kind of turn duck hunting into a, into a, a business, uh, into kind of a business sale or, you know, a, a per, like a relationship, uh, you know, sharing a morning in the duck blind with them. What are some of the places, um, that you've got to, to go hunt, um, like guide services or, you know, where, where have you been hunting? Well, uh, man, I've been very fortunate. Um, the company that I work for, um, the, the ownership group, they are, they're all big hunters. They all members of duck clubs, that sort of thing. Um, so we, we all kind of, you know, share the same passion. Um, you know, we are very, you know, very big in different organizations because being a company the size of ours, you know, a lot of people are asking for, you know, donations and want you to sponsor events and things like that. So, you know, we do a lot of stuff with Delta Waterfowl. We do a lot of stuff with uh, Ducks Unlimited, obviously, and, and some different organizations like that. Uh, but through those banquets and stuff, you know, and, and, and knowing some people, uh, like I said, I've been able to, uh, through my company, been able to hunt some, some very cool places, just, um, just, uh, you know, for the last several years, we've gone to Canada. Um, we, uh, we hunt up there with an outfit called Canadian Prairie Outfitters. Uh, they're uh, out of Saskatchewan. Um, Mitch Hughes is the, uh, the owner of that company. Uh, Mitch is a, either won the world two or three times, uh, won the world goose calling. Uh, he won the live duck calling contest a couple of times, uh, and, and I'm not really sure. What the what the live duck means? I guess it's more of like not competition calling, so to speak. But but anyway, he owns a company called Canadian Prairie Outfitters, and um, um, you know we hunt with him. And then a um, you know uh, last year we went there again. Uh, I actually got to go to Argentina last year dove hunting uh, the David Denny's down there. Uh, cool. That that was that that was cool. Uh, you know, and something, and, and usually every year we've got some of the same hunts that we get to do. Um, Canada's usually on the trip this year. Doesn't look like it's going to be because of obviously with COVID-19, the border's not opening, that sort of thing. So looks like we're going to have to scratch the trip this year. Uh, may possibly look at going to North Dakota, uh, to an outfit service there, outfitters up there. Um, but anyway, uh, that, uh, you know, locally, we kind of do some of the same hunts every year. I've been fortunate enough to hunt a lot of good places, uh, uh, actually a hunt for on, on tab for this year that we just ran out of time last year is we're going to get to go hunt with the Higdon boys, uh, the Higdon decoys guys up in Kentucky yep. at their, at their personal farm. I've seen uh, that. I've seen that timber hole, uh, that they always yeah. share on Instagram and they just fill it with deep. It is bad ass. It is man. And I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping that maybe we'll get to uh, hunt that spot, you know, uh, but I don't know much about it, but, uh, we were going to hunt it last year, and then they had a big rain towards the end of the year, and time just got away. So they told us, you know, hey, let's just wait. We'll do it next year. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And then, um, you know, I've hunted a place called The Roost down in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Uh, guy named Matthew Ware farms that down there. Uh, this is not a public place. It's just, a, you know, they'll donate a couple of hunts a year to like a Delta Waterfowl or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and our company usually, you know, purchase those for some customers are gone and things. So, uh, 
actually last year, another thing I got to do, I got to go out to North Carolina with Delta waterfowl and go swan hunting. So I was able to kill my first swan and get a, uh, got, uh, took us a couple of days and that, that was interesting. It was fun. Um, a ton, tundra swan, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a big one. Gary, um, Gary did. We saw enough of them in North Dakota. We're in, I remember, uh, when we freelanced North Dakota last year, uh, Gary and Jake were, were in the field trying to uh, trying to get a tag for tundra swans because that's all that was flying around where we were at. <laughs> I was going to buy one. I'll tell you that. I don't know yeah. how that tastes, but I wanted one bad. Yeah, yeah. No, well, no, no cell phone service. They're waiting. They're waiting on their internet to like buffer or whatever it's doing. And you know, there's hundreds of swans flying over us, and not a damn duck in sight. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, we we uh, we got there was five of us and we got drawn for our swan tags and we've, I mean, you know that seems that's kind of weird, you know. People say you fly, you know, halfway across the country to go and kill one bird, you know. I mean, and one shot, it's over. I mean, because it's like, you know, they were so close to you to shoot it in the head, knock it down, and and you know, didn't even have to, you know. I think we took a box of bullets for like all five of us. Uh, that's great. But, but other than that, um, you know, another place that I've been very fortunate to get to hunt uh, at least one time a year for the past five years. Last year, I got to go twice, and it looks like, again, I'll get to go uh, if, if things work out like they, like they have in the past. Uh, uh, I've, I've got to hunt the Coca-Cola woods the last four or five years. Um, anybody, anybody that's a duck hunter, you know, has heard about the Coca-Cola woods. Um, yes. I, think, uh, I think they just – they got um... – then they just do a deal with Die Bomb, and they just got. Yeah, I did see yeah. that. The guy, I think the guys from Die Bomb were there the other day, and they did a little. Uh, Rusty, I think, drove them around and showed them the uh, promo. Yeah, and showed them the uh, you know the the rice he had planted in the woods and, th and the lodge and stuff. I actually, I think I saw it on like an Instagram feed or something on the Die Bomb page. Yeah. Or maybe it was on maybe it was on Rusty Creasy's page. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was on both of them. How how is the Coca Cola Woods? Is it is it what is is it what's advertised or what? Man, it is. It's just one of those places, kind of like Chad was talking about before. Uh, you know, it's just ducks have been going to that area for, you know, ever since it was established. And they just, uh, they maintain it. You know, they plant plenty of food for the ducks. Uh, the habitat part of it's great. Therefore, they just, uh, you know, ducks just going to come back there every year. You know, they've got, uh, I don't know how many holes they have in the woods there, uh, but they've got, uh, they only hunt one hole a day, you know, so the rest of them can rest. Yeah, so explain explain to the viewers because uh, actually uh, my dad and I were talking about this too because um, I was asking him because I knew you had uh, hunted at Coca Cola Woods before and he was telling me some stuff about it. But is it true that Coca Cola Woods has so many holes that they won't hunt? What 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 does Rusty do? He won't hunt the same hole. Oh, like. Uh, in, I'm not in, in sure. Like a, in I'm, like a 30 day period or something like that, I, or like a. You know, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that they only hunt one group per day. You know, there may be six people in the group that morning, or there may be 12 people. But there's enough trees to hide back there, and the ducks. I'm telling you, they're in your face there. So uh, it's. Uh, uh, you think it might be a little hard to hide 12 people behind the trees, but as long as you hug a tree and keep your head down, and wait on them to tell you to shoot. When you look up, they're going to be right in front of you. That's crazy. So, uh, but I, yeah. they, but they, they do hunt one hole a day. I don't know, you know, I don't know if he goes to the same hole morning after morning. You know, I don't know that. Yeah. Well, what I, and we'll have to get, if once this podcast gets big enough, maybe it will, maybe it won't, or I'll just have a little cold call with Rusty uh, myself. But if I have to, I'll cold call him and we'll get him on the podcast and he can explain his, uh, his formula. But from what I heard, 
and he can correct it when he gets on here. From what I heard, they don't hunt the same hole within a certain time period, and they don't hunt a hole – you know, if they hunted, I think they have a hole like the, called the donut hole or something like that. Right. If they, if they yeah, hunt, if they, if they hunt that hole, they won't hunt another hole around that one to disturb those birds that are going back in there and resting. They'll go far enough away and shoot another hole to where they're not disturbing those birds that they hunted a couple of days previous. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure the answer to that. I got you. Well. I just, uh, you know, I do a bunch of digging and, and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's part of my job when you're on a podcast, you got to dig and find information, whether it's, whether it's true or not, you know, I'll, I'll make it up, I guess, if I need to. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I heard, and it's one of his quotes from, you know, someone wrote an article on, you know, frog togs because Rusty is, he's sponsored by frog Tog, So they did an article, I guess, on, whoever hunted there, his experience on the Coca-Cola woods, awesome article, great read. Um, but you know, he, he said in the article and I quote, this is from probably Rusty saying this, cover your face or paint it. Absolutely. No calling. If you're not a guide, no shooting until the shot is called and I'll call a shot. Only shoot birds that are in the air and on your side of the hole, load up and shoot straight. And Chad, if you know, from a guiding perspective you know to kind of be assertive that way in the morning as a guide you know it 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 may come off wrong I don't think it does because I think that whole message right there says hey I'm telling you what to do I know how to hunt these ducks keep your face down stay still you know don't shoot birds across the hole you know basically keep your barrels where they need to be and then that kind of overlaps on the safety perspective and then you know shoot straight and have fun as a guide what do you you know are you saying any of that stuff in the morning to to your you know group of clients that you have what are kind of some things that you go over in the morning the main thing i go over in the morning well it depends on what we're hunting but if i mean if we're hunting a blind um i tell people to don't shoot until i say shoot and if you do, and you miss, like 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 if you shoot out a turn and miss, like the, like I'm probably gonna like like the whole group should like hate on you, you know. I mean, if you, if it's a single and you hit it, then okay, good shot. I'm, I mean, I normally don't like get on people or nothing. Uh, I just tell everybody to be safe. You know, point your guns outside the blind. Uh, as far as people moving and stuff. Uh, all that depends on the, you know, if the wind's blowing and this, that, and the other. Uh, I don't wear face mask or face paint or anything. Uh, I and and I'm I'm sure that I can get hated on for saying this, but I think if the ducks want in there, they're going to come in there anyways. I mean, I've killed ducks sitting beside a red four wheeler, like standing on it with my shells sitting on the four wheeler like and loading up and shooting them again and calling them in before um hey tell me tell tell that story that you told me last year you know what story i'm going to bring up is and we don't have to name drop anybody but there's a story where you had uh you had uh people out (laughs) you you had people out that were uh that were uh i guess letting you use one of their pieces of equipment and uh 
you know, to, it was like a new product on, you know, and it wasn't, oh. it, wasn't being, it wasn't, it wasn't being sold yet. And it did go ahead and tell the story. So, I mean, it was a, well, I, I don't know. I mean, it don't matter. It was a Viking, like a Yamaha Viking. And it was like tricked out. Awesome. And they wanted me to drive it because everybody thinks I'm hard on stuff, which I probably am. No, like, you, my dad you says I can tear stuff. up, I can tear up anything. And, uh, so I drove it out to the blind, had it loaded down with people and gear and everything. We roll up to the blind and I break the transmission at the blind, like right beside it, right behind it. And this thing's brand new, like, like right off the line. Oh, right? I'm talking about brand spanking new. And I'm like, man, here we go. And so I just play it cool. I'm like, all right, everybody get in the pit. And they're like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was like, I don't know, but there were thousands here yesterday. It's going to be all right. <laughs> thousands. And anyway, <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do? Because my truck's like two and a half miles away. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, what am I going to do? So I get everybody in the blind and everybody's just looking at me like, I mean, what are, I said, we're going to hunt. And they're like, all right. So I stuck the mojo on top of it. I'm like, man, you, maybe the mojo worked you this stuck, morning. Wait, you stuck the mojo up on top of the broken down side by side and right next to the pit. Heck yeah, right <laughs> beside the pit. I stuck it on top. And that is and the, that's the God's honest truth. Absolutely. I stuck it on top and I put my spread out and I got everybody ready. And luckily the side by side was behind us. You know, I mean, um, the wind, you know, we wasn't shooting at it. And anyway, um, the ducks started coming that morning, and I started calling, and 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 it, and it was still pretty dark, but it was shooting time. And the first group come in, pulled up, and we mopped them. I was like, "Heck yeah, I'm going nuts! <laughs> I'm like going crazy." And they're like, "What are you so excited about?" I said, "Cause I'm like the best guy in the country. Can you believe we just killed some ducks?" I was like. Literally, there's a side by side sitting behind us, and I'm like, we liable to really kill them. They really want here, and uh, like another group came in, we killed like one out of it. Well, it finally broke daylight enough that you could see everything clearly, and uh, the next groups just started flaring and flaring and flaring. And I, and about the time I, I I took my lanyard off and started unloading my gun, I set it to the side, and they're like, well, where are you going? I said, I'm going to walk to the truck, and they're like. For what? I said, I got to go get one of my tractors to pull this side by side out from beside this pit. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because we're not going to kill another duck. I'm like, this is over. And um, one of the fellows was like, well, are you not going to tell me the limits before you leave? I'm like, buddy, if you kill your limit with this sitting beside you in sunshine, I said, you are the man. And I started walking. <laughs> I just started walking back truck. And and I we ended up scratching in the teens out of that hunt because I walked back truck and I went and got a tractor and uh I hooked it up to a tractor, I pulled it out of the field and got back in the pit and we started killing them again. And um That's funny. But yeah, yeah, I did kill them with the I side bet, to side. I'm I talking bet, about uh, two foot from us. I bet those Yamaha guys felt like ash cheeks when that thing broke down. <laughs> They're probably all what? proud in the morning, like, Oh, look at this new product. We're about to sell the shit out of this thing. And it, well, breaks, it they, breaks down right by the pit. They weren't there. It was another company. Uh, oh, supporting oh, okay. Them. But uh, I felt bad for the thing. I mean, but it really is a pretty good ride uh, because I took it on a goose hunt. The same machine, they sent it back, and they brought it back down. And in the gumbo, 
on the uh, east side of the ridge, like when it gets in its sticky stage, like it will stick to everything and ball up. Like a, uh, if it's a 500 or less, it will not go. Like you'll lock it up and it'll be there. You'll drag it out of there with a the tractor. Uh, but that Yamaha, we went goose hunting out there. I loaded it down. I was dragging gumbo underneath it, and it was coming off in clumps the size of the bed from underneath it. And I didn't break anything that I know of. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I put – and, like, if there was a test for it, that was it. Like, if I couldn't tear it up then, uh, the guy told me it took him, like, three hours to wash all the mud off of it after I got done with it. But, I, I mean, I didn't break it. So – it, it, I mean, it's a pretty good ride. It, it just had a default on that fr first duck hunt. So Yeah, I understand. That's a pretty good story, though. So let's talk about, um, you know, Arkansas Duck Masters, you know, where it's at, you know, location, everything. Kind of give me the little small rundown of Arkansas Duck Masters. Well, Arkansas Duck Masters, um, it's located in Proctor, Arkansas, which is uh, right outside of West Memphis. And – uh, our hunting locations, we start there, and we go up to Turrell, then back down towards Horseshoe Lake, and then all the way to Wheatley, Arkansas. So we're spread out, I'd say 55, 60 miles. And, um, on, on, both uh, sides, on both sides of the interstate. Correct, north and part. south of the interstate. Yep. Um, and, and the reason, like the whole reason we even created this, so when I was a kid, uh, I was in college, I either had ducks or Kirby had ducks. And I started guiding when I was 17 years old. And when I didn't have ducks, I'd call the people and I'd be like, hey, we don't have any ducks. And when I got out of college, and every time I lost ducks, Kirby would get them. And I told and, him, I was like, man, for the, we need For them. the viewers, who is Kirby? Kirby Carlson. Um, he's my partner in Arkansas okay. Duck Masters. All right, go ahead. And, and, and so I – um, we talked one day. I was like, man, if we put together a guide service, I mean, we would literally almost always have ducks. I mean, somewhere on these farms or, 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 or land that we have, you know, able to hunt, we would have ducks. And uh, so we got together. And for the most part in the early years, we had ducks. But we realized quickly that we still didn't have enough ground. Like, we needed to get more and further away because when you are guiding just like i was you know saying earlier you know you shoot a hole out so so, so if a person has a guide service on three thousand acres and this is just my opinion in one spot i mean i don't know if i but i don't know if i should say that but i mean all right if, if you have it in one spot you're going to have a lot of weeks where you're not going to kill any ducks you're just not because the migration is not there these ducks pick up you know, when the Mississippi River floods out, the ducks go to Mississippi. When the uh, Langill and the White River flood out, the ducks go there. The, the ducks move across the state to whatever, you know, new water there is. Uh, a lot of times here in Palestine, when, whenever the White River floods out, it will take all of our ducks in our area. Like, they're gone. And if you don't have another spot to go, then, you, I mean, you we would cancel hunts. I mean, we're not, I'm not taking people. I mean, you're going to have a bad hunt here and there. I mean, nobody's perfect, but you're going to, uh, I mean, I want everybody to have a great time. 
Right. You're going to shoot people straight. And if, you know, for some reason, you know, if for some reason it hasn't happened yet, so even since I've been hunting there, if all of Arkansas freezes up and you ain't got any ducks and there's no ducks around, you're not going to book a hunt. You're going to shoot people straight and be like, look, man, we no, don't have I'm, any ducks. Well, y'all can come, y'all come hang out. Come. Yeah. Y'all come hang out if yeah. you want. It'd be a bunch of fun. But as far as the killing, you know, ducks goes, it ain't going to happen. I like everybody to have a good time. And, and that's what gives me my thrill or anything else is, is, is people having a great time at the lodge and, and people killing ducks. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, I mean, everybody says it's not all about killing ducks, but I mean, you, you need to kill something, you know, I mean, you got to kill ducks. Yeah. Some success so, has got to be there. That's why I'm, I mean, I'm even, I mean, I'm hard on all my guys. I'm like, look, man, y'all pick your spots, like do it. Like pick the best spot that you think you can go kill something. And, uh, like, hold on, Chad, you're breaking up. I really bit. want people to have a great time with us. Right. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear yeah. you. A little, yeah, I can hear you a little better now. Uh, that's what it's about. People having a great time with us. Right. Uh, but I got you. What, what it, you know, what did it take to start a, a guide service? Obviously, you know, you had a partner, you know, which probably helps, but what other, what other pieces of the puzzle did it take to start a guide service? Do you think? Like if you was going to go out and start a guide service today. Yes. First off, you got to have the land to do it. You got to have a website, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and some great marketing. And you better be willing to lose money for a few years because it, you know, it takes a lot to start one. Right. Uh, you got to have the equipment, decoys, can-ams, or rangers. Uh, you know, we have suburbans that take people from, you know, to and from the blind. Uh, and that way, because a lot of people fly in and d d don't have transportation. So you got to have them, you know, rides and everything else. Um, and, and you guys offer pickup from the airport as well, which is, which is huge for anyone coming in to Arkansas. Right. Yes. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll come get you and everything and, 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 and bring you to the lodge and you pretty much don't need, I mean, we have guns, waders, pretty much anything that you want. We have besides shells, which we can stop you about. I mean, we can't legally sell shells. So, but I can stop you by Walmart to get you all you want. So Walmart's got it all. Yeah. Especially the one in Forest, especially the one in Forest city. <laughs> um, uh, what, uh, did, did you run into any obstacles or, you know, when you first started, did you think, you know, from being a farmer or having family land, um, did you think it was going to be, you know, you're like, oh, this is going to be easy. Like I got land, I got, you know, I got, you know, we farm, I got, you know, tractors, I can, you know, plant, I can do this, do that. This is going to be easy. Did you, you know, a little bit into it where you're like, damn, this is like, this is, this is hard. Like, did you run into any ob obstacles that you know of? I mean, the biggest obstacle is having ducks. Yeah. Like, that's the biggest obstacle. I mean, people have duck holes. Uh, I mean, just like Guy was saying, and I think that still holds true. I mean, people from Arkansas have a place to go duck hunting most of the time. Uh, 
and there's a lot of great public ground around here too but the the biggest obstacle is when you start hunting out of that same duck hole there is no ducks no more because you're hunting a lot harder and longer mm -hmm. so yeah i understand um how do you guys go about and we had a big episode chad i don't know if if you listened to last week's episode we had ryan warden on and he's with toe tags um and uh actually i'm gonna read something from him uh toe tag huh Hunter, hang on one sec one sec i just want to ask one real quick question go ahead no go for guy and chad go ahead when you guys are having tough hunting down there and i've been to arkansas four or five times or whatever i said guy me and you with Hunter and then with Whitey. I don't know if you remember him. He was another New York guy. We went out in the hole and we killed six-man limit. And it was a little bit under 30 minutes or maybe like 30 minutes on the dot. We had a great hunt. We've had a lot of great hunts down there. But what are you guys doing as far as decoys and as far as duck calling? Because I know a guy likes to get down on the duck call. Are you – how are you going to adjust to that? And the reason that I bring that up is because I went down with, I went down to Arkansas uh, with Hunter a couple years ago and we had a tough, I was down there for four or five days. All four or five days were tough. We we're killing four five, six birds a day, whatever. Last day we kind of figured out we went hunt of the pig pen, which I don't yeah. know who's went hunt of the pig pen. Yeah. And we basically stopped calling. All we were doing was feeder calls, a little chuckle here and there. Correct? Correct, yep. So, Chad, as an outfitter, we, you have the pressure on you, but a guy who loves to kill him, what are you doing when the duck hunting gets tough? There's birds there, but they're wary ducks. What are you doing with your decoys, and what are you doing as far as calling goes? Because when we were hitting the duck call, birds were just flaring. They we, were need to, we need to make a new episode for this, because I know Chad can go on about 45-minute rant. Um, yeah. So, so just give me, give me. So like in all, two uh, seconds, two minutes. So when you're blowing a duck call, there is a ton of people that can blow a duck call that know how to work a duck call can blow it correctly, make all the right noises. But the number one mistake of, I would say a lot of people coming into Arkansas is you can blow a duck call, but you don't know when to blow it. You got to watch the mannerisms of ducks. You got to like look at that. So when you're blowing at ducks and me and guy, we hunt together a lot. We get into it. I tell him to put down his calls. He tells me to put down mine like all the time. Like we get into it in the blind a lot. Like I watch mannerisms of ducks. So whenever you first call at them, you know, you go eh, eh, eh. and uh, whatever duck, like, I know, I know people think this is crazy, but, like, I watch them. Whatever duck looks at you, you pick it – you call it that duck, that one duck. Whatever duck is looking at you, that's the one you call at because the rest of them will follow him or her, whichever it is, into the hole. And so on your first three groups of the morning, you go through different – like, I like I go through different calling, you know, strategies at them to figure out what they want. Cadences, uh, you're right. Cadences, you're talking about, kind of, like, like right. I call at them different, like, yeah. uh, you know, make different, like a three note or a five note or you know, right, yeah, and and most of the time, uh, 
you can figure it out within the first three groups of ducks that fly by. And if anybody's ever hunted with me, like I, I do the same thing every morning. But a lot of times, and I'm, I'm not a lot of times, but sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. They don't like your duck calling. I mean, ducks just don't. And then you'll have a buddy like Guy, and magically, you know, because me and him are, you know, talk crap about each other all the time, you know, in buddy. the duck blind about calling. Buddy. Uh, yeah. Uh, magically, they'll listen to Guy one morning. And so I won't even call him like, well, you call Adam then. And then if he doesn't do something right at the end, of course, I, I, I'll step in there and finish him off. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but a lot of it is you, you need to be calling at one duck, not at the whole group. You got to pick out a duck that is listening to you and call that duck in. And a lot of people don't do that. I mean, they just scream at them and they fly off. And are you looking for, are you looking for, you know, changing, uh, you know, changing wing pattern, you know, uh, a tip in the wing, uh, you know, what are you looking for in a, in a duck? What are you reading? Their head. Like you look at their head. If they turn their head and look at you, like you know you did something right because whatever their head does their wings will follow most of the time like if that duck, if you call you like meh, 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 and that duck turns its head most time when he turns his head and looks at you and he, and he liked it whichever one did because if there's seven ducks six of them's not going to like it but that one duck did and it turns and cups up at you you don't have to worry about the other ones because they're going to follow that duck most of the time they're going to mm -hmm. follow it on in and 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 so I I look at their heads whenever they're flying by, you call, and if their head turns and looks down at you, and I mean people might think that's crazy, but it's the truth. I mean like, you see their heads, like when they turn their heads, I mean the, the they'll turn in and come. Guy, call them in from the there. Sorry, go ahead. When the go duck hunting's tough. Are you just – you're just having a couple of those guides call. You're having one guide call. You're having two, three, three guides call at one time so that you could read those birds? Or are you are you having everybody get on those calls and start blowing? Or, or what are you doing when it's tough, when it you have birds, there's birds around, but they're very wary. You're having – are you having as few people calling as possible? Or are you just going to have everybody blow at it and then, okay, that didn't work? Then you knock it down, read the bird. What are you doing with that? I think a lot of times – did you ask Guy or me? I'm asking, I'm asking you, but oh. also Guy, because I've heard Guy get down on a duck call, and he could blow one, no doubt about it. But I think if everybody in the action. duck blind can blow a duck call, uh, you can start off the morning that way and call at them. But within three groups, quite a few people in that group need to put down their call. So whoever they're listening to that morning, like, needs to keep calling because a lot of the other calling they will not like. And, like, if you're ever calling at them and they pick up, not necessarily even flare, but just pick up and turn, then whatever you just did was wrong. Don't do that again. Like, and when you're hunting as a group with friends, it, it's, I mean, it's real easy to, to talk to your friends because – uh, for instance, I, 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 I have some other friends that I hunt with and Drew and Cody and Matt, they, they've told me to put my calls down before in the timber. And I'm like, 
okay, you're right. Cause that duck did, did not like that. Even though I think I'm good at duck calling, like that did not work. And they did, did not want to listen to me that morning. And that's the hardest thing for people to get over when they're hunting in a group is that one person can mess up the whole hunt by calling, truthfully. Like the ducks don't like it. So when they turn and peel out, I mean, that's it. So each group that they keep doing it, the ducks are going to keep leaving. I mean, you might find some teal that end up coming on in. But, I mean, in the morning times when me and Guy hunt together, he calls or I call. And, I like, whenever he's calling, I don't really chime in with him. Like, when he stops, then I, I might chime in and then look for, a, like, a mannerism of a duck to, to see if any of them are going to listen to me. But if they're listening to the guy, I let him call them in by himself because if I call, I will mess it up because they're already paying attention to him. Guy, what's your point of and view I'll, on yeah, guy? Ha, on have calling. you experienced something like that in Saskatchewan, in Argentina? Well, Argentina hunting dogs, but Saskatchewan, have you, has someone told you put down your call because you're not working, or the guides themselves have put down their call and you're the only one calling? And you're one well, of the best. You're one of the best duck callers that I, honestly that I've ever been been around, and that's that's hands down. A little, yeah, tire, a little tire, a little tire, a little tire pump there, but go ahead. Well, I, w I wouldn't go that far. Um, in Saskatchewan, man, it really doesn't matter. Uh, man, the ducks are, you know, they're just first time they've seen a decoy all year, you know, and I'm always up there about the second week of the season. So it's just, you, you set some, you set some robos out and I mean, they're coming, you know, it's just, I don't really think you really have to know how to blow a duck call in Canada, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, everything that Chad said, I agree with a hundred percent. Um, you know, the whole part about he's right. You pick one duck out. It's, uh, because if you've got a group of eight come over and you hit the call and you know, immediately when you hit that first note, if that one duck checks and turns and cocks that head to the left or right or whatever, and then, you know, you immediately key on that duck and you call directly at that duck and Chad's right. The rest of them are going to follow. Maybe not the whole group, but he's going to break three or four of them off or she's going to break three or four of them off with you, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and, and there's different times, like Chad's right, you know, sometimes you give them just, you know, give them a, give them a one quick call and, and then shut up. There's other times you've got to blow the duck call until their feet hit the water. If you ever let off of it, you know, they're going to, they're going to peel back off. Um, it just, just depends on the day. Uh, you know, something Chad and I have done, and actually it was a, a buddy of Chad's, I believe, that kind of gave him the idea several years ago. But, you know, it's nothing for Chad and I to run 1,200 decoys in open water. Um, you know, just move them around every day and stuff like that because, you know, the more decoys you have out, I feel that, you know, especially if you're in a flyway, you, you can't – you may not be able to do that just, you know, if you just got a one pit somewhere off the beaten path somewhere. But, you know, if you're in a flyway um, – you know, it'll, um, you know, I just feel like it does that. But, but as far as back to the calling part of it, um, you know, he, he's right about that. Pick one duck, call it that one duck, and uh, and just and go from there. Chad, you feel like that's all related to pressure. You think that has to do with pressure, people hunting in Arkansas, especially – way down there i mean what's the next stop louisiana then after that what? yeah yeah uh man louisiana i guess you know i've got i've got several buddies uh uh that uh i go down and go red fishing with and they come up but they're more of like a uh you know they kill a lot of teal gadwall teal that sort of thing um uh 
you know, they don't really kill too many mallards, but um, uh, they always, they come to Arkansas when I kind of kill a mallard and, and a little funny story last year, we had uh, had a guys in the blind with us and uh, the Carl or one of our fishing <laughs> fish guys, he was, he was, uh, he was, he was sitting there. He was like, I just want to kill a mallard. I come to Arkansas when I kill a big, pretty green head. And I look, and I'm sitting there calling at some ducks about 8.30 one morning. And I look up, and the one single greenhead, prettiest greenhead you ever seen, just bows up, commits straight out 12 o'clock in front of the blind. Probably, he just carried luggage. He just coasts right in front of the blind, gets out there about maybe 20 yards, 10 foot off the water, just looking right in the face. And I said, Carl, take him. And Carl's raising his gun. All of a sudden, I hear boom, duck folds. And I look at Chad. He's like, he was taking too long. <laughs> well, I didn't know if they were going to shoot or not. I mean, this thing is just sitting there, just flapping. I mean, I, I thought it might fall off. I just figured I'd need to hurry up and shoot it. So, did Carl ever get his mallard? Yeah, he did. Uh, he did. Well, I, I, finally, we, we let him kill one later on in the day. We actually, it wasn't a good day. We killed some. Uh, we killed some ducks that day, but I think a lot of them were were a lot of teal and gadwall that day. Um, and then I took him over to a uh, another place, another private place called Elbow Slough. Uh, I took him over there for a couple of days after that day, and uh, uh, we called some ducks in and, and let him. He was the only one to shoot, so we know for a fact he killed them. So he was. He was pretty pumped up. They headed back to Louisiana with uh, five or six different species of ducks, speckle belly, uh, and a snow goose. They, uh, I think they're going to get a bunch of stuff mounted for their lodge down there. I got you. I got you. Uh, just real quick, uh, Toe Tags LLC is a home of the original waterproof waterfowl tagging solution. If you're hunting just up the road or across the U.S. and Canada, make sure you're transporting and storing tagged birds to avoid hardy fines and possible jail time. For a complete list of products, visit www.toetagsllc.com or find them on Facebook or Instagram. Again, that's Toetags LLC for all your tagging needs. And we talked about tagging uh, last week in last week's episode. I don't know if you guys got to listen. If you haven't, it's a really good one. Chad, talk about you know real quick, uh, and we got a couple more minutes. Talk about tagging birds and how important it is, you know, for Arkansas Duck Masters and, and how serious you guys take you know tagging um you know coming out of the field with clients and stuff well i mean it's a very serious thing because when i was younger i got a warning about it um and i don't want to get a ticket so what we do now is uh we take straps and we have like a luggage uh carrier you know laminated card yeah card holder and um, we put, you know, the person's name and uh, all their information on that tag, and then that's their strap. And then while they're hunting, you hang that in front of them. So whenever they kill that duck, you hang it in front of them as you're hunting. And, and, and that way you're not party hunting ever. Uh, because in Arkansas, you can get a ticket for that. Uh, I get You probably can't anywhere. Yeah, it's probably anywhere. a federal law. Yeah, it's, yes, it is, actually. We learned that last week. We so, that last um, week. that's the way we do it to make sure that nobody gets a ticket. I got you. Um, guys, do you have – Gary, you have anything? Gary, uh, I don't know if he's he, – he, he, may, he may have got up to take a leak. I don't know. He's, he said he had a piss real bad before he actually got on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, I'm pumped to come back down. I can't wait for duck season to start again. Do you guys, uh, you know, do you guys have anything? Gary, there you are. What's up, bud? I apologize. I had to take a piss. I so, yeah, man, Gary, I'm looking forward to you getting back down to Arkansas this year, man. Uh, when, when do you think you're coming? Uh, we were talking about uh, December, early January, something like that. So, I'm finishing up the uh, Hope, Buffalo Hope. Fire Academy and uh, – Man, I know, I, I know. Wait. Like during, uh, during after after New Year's, like after Christmas and before New Year's, or or around that time, I know we're always uh, we always seem to have a good time around the old winter ground there. I know we've got uh, we usually have some good eating going on, a lot of a lot of cold bourbon, cold beer, and then warm bourbon, yeah. and uh, we always we always got something going on during that time of the year. It's a good time. Gary missed out last year, and I, he he needs to get back down there. He belongs in Arkansas. Yeah, that was my first time missing Arkansas, and man, do I love Arkansas. Fuck, I'd live there if I could. But uh, I'm going through the fire academy right now with Buffalo, and uh, so I'm just finishing that up. But after that, I got, I'm got i on 24-hour shifts two days a week, so if I come down to Arkansas, I only got to take off four days. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be all right. So I'll definitely see you this year, and I missed you guys last year big time. So Hunter knows that, and I kind of got you know messed up, but. We'll be uh, we'll be good to go. So I'll bring the bush light and uh, I'll go. bring my gun. Heck yeah! <laughs> uh, you guys, I'm gonna put you on the spot, uh, and then we'll probably close it out. Gary, before I ask him this question or whatever, do you have anything for them as far as hunting or anything across the board? Do you have anything for them? Uh, no, I'm good right now. I already asked Chad. Chad's stressed out over there that I asked him a stressful question already. He's fucking pounding drinks probably. But, <laughs> um, no, I, uh, Chad, I hope to meet you down there. Uh, if we get down to Arkansas, I'll get down to Arkansas this year for sure. But uh, I hope I can meet you. Um, Definitely will. We can uh, go hunting together. Yeah, and hunting with you for sure. Fuck, we'll have a time. There's no doubt about that. But uh, thank you guys for coming on. And then let hunter go with the uh okay do you uh yeah do you guys have any 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 good like one good funny story uh, and you guys are funny enough you guys are told like a one or two but do you guys between the both of you or something that you've guys have experienced in the blind do you guys you know i'm trying to say this slow so you can think of something but do you guys have a funny story chad i know you're filled with a man but do you guys have a funny well, story calls both of you maybe or just any in general um like a funny client story maybe i'll tell you i'll tell you, I'll tell you why, why you're thinking chad uh there was there was one year uh i uh you know and i won't i won't really go into the going to names or anything but a uh a large organization had, had booked a hunt um uh a, a snow goose hunt and um and there was a, actually a couple of, of uh, one one big name guy in the group that was well known for a call maker um, was with us, and uh, we split up in groups of like ten guys, I believe, something like that, for the for the next day's hunt. And man, we was it was a little later in the year, and it was a conservation hunt, and uh, uh, we had driven and driven and driven and driven and driven and driven and couldn't find any birds, couldn't find any birds, couldn't find any birds. Finally found a few birds right before dark. Uh, one of Chad's buddies did. So we go out the next day to set up these decoys. And, um, and uh, they're actually filming a show that day um, for TV. And uh, so we don't know if we're going to kill anything or not. We set all these decoys out. And, and by the grace of God, fog rolls in. 
that, that morning. And we couldn't get a goose to look at us. Fog rolls in. You can't see 10 foot in front of your face. And that fog helped us out because when the geese were flying over, we turned on the electronic collar and the geese could hear the sound and they just flew to the sound. And when they would get 10, like 20 yards from us and 10, you know, 20 foot high is when they would be, realize they had screwed up. And we were standing up, walking around. We could have had on orange jumpsuits. We're standing up in the middle of the decoy spread. And I can't remember the exact number. I think we killed like, was it 96 or 87 and had and killed three or four bands that morning. So they thought yeah. we, we were the most professional goose hunters that ever met in their life. <laughs> we smacked them. We did. Those geese couldn't see nothing. Like when, whenever they'd break the fog, you could see it on their faces. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, and, and like you could hear them coming through the fog, and it was awesome. Like, like you could hear them coming, so you know which way the, the, the wind was dead calm. And like they'd break the fog at like 20 yards, and we would mow them down. It was awesome. That's, pretty, was, that's a good one. And it was, it was so foggy that you had to make your first shot count because if they, if they flew at any, in another five feet, you couldn't see them. Oh, really? That's, probably, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's it pretty was, cool. Uh, I, I was trying to think of a good client story, and um, uh, I had some guys from New York come down one time. They were actually – this huh. is when I first started guiding hunting. And um, – like I would do morning duck hunts and afternoon speck hunts. And uh, my buddy, Spencer Jew, uh, they were up there hunting with them. And he called me. He said, hey, man, we had a terrible morning. He said, do y'all have any specks or anything for somebody to kill? I said, man, I said, I do. I said, these specks been hitting the same field three afternoons in a row. I was like, I go out there and set up and uh, just send them down. And it's about an hour and a half drive down here. So these guys drive from Jonesboro all the way down here to Palestine, and I had everything set up in the field, and I, I got, uh, I think Randall helped me, and Corey. And anyway, we had it all set up, their pads ready, and the folks rolled up, and they were actually rude. They were like, man, I ain't seen a goose in 50 miles. He said, y'all are just sending me on another goose chase. I was like, man, I don't know what y'all been dealing with. I was like, I'm sure just the hunting's tough. I said, but man, we're going to smack them. And he was like, I ain't there ain't even the goose in the country. And I'm like, man, they're sitting over right over there on the frog pond right now. This is a field. I said, they're sitting over there on the frog pond. I said, they were going to smack them. I said, at 345, they're going to pick up and they're going to come right here. And this was like 130. So everybody lays down and I'm sitting there just talking and rambling on like I normally do. And, and uh, about, I don't know. 2.45, 3 o'clock, one of the guys stands up, and he's like, he's like, I'm done. He's like, this is ridiculous. We're not going to kill nothing. He's like, there is no geese here. I'm like, dude, there is. Just believe me. I was like, I know they're going to be here. There's thousands. Like, there's thousands. No, that's what I told him. I was like, man, there's like, you know, thousands. I said, they're coming. <laughs> there it is. So, there it is. And, and I, I was like, man, they're coming. I promise you, they're coming. J just hang out. So he makes him a loop around the spread and sits back down. And it was about 3.30, and I'm I'm starting to pace a little bit. I'm like, man, I figured at least one or two would get up by now. Because I already drove past them. I, I mean, I knew where they were sitting because in the middle of the day, they go to water. And anyway, and it was probably – I don't know. I'm pacing around out there, and, and they're all kind of 
hollering at me like, hey, we going to kill anything or what? I'm like, man, just stay positive. We're going to do this. And uh, this one dude stands up. He's like, man, this is terrible. I'm going home. I'm like, no, you got to just hang out here for 15 more minutes. If they, if they don't come in 15 minutes, I, I, you, 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 all y'all got to do is walk back, get in the truck, and you don't owe me nothing. I was like, they are coming. Anyway, in 10 minutes, the first group picks up. They pick up. And, I mean, they don't get two treetops high, and here they come. <laughs> oh, you're, break, you're breaking up, Chad. I think you need to get back towards your truck to get in your internet. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm there. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, so they pick up, and they come across this tree line. As soon as they do, I hit them. Like, Lilla, Lilla. They lock up. I'm like, oh, here they come. And I'm out there flapping. I'm flapping my wings because I'm in a white suit wearing a snow goose spread, you know, and that's how I used to spec hunt. So I'm flapping my wings, and they're like, what in the heck are you doing? I was like, man, I'm going to walk them in. He said, I'm gonna walk, walk them in. in. I said, man, I've been doing this since I was seven. I was like, they just follow me in. So I I, I, I flap around. And I lay down. Here they come. And it's about 150 first group. They come. I hit them. They bow up. I'm talking about carrying luggage. Here they come. And all of a sudden, I'm like, kill them. They pull up. Woo. And there's 10 of them now. I didn't pick my gun. Woo. Didn't oh. a feather. I said, I like put them in your face. And they're like, well, you can't do no oh. better. I start. Well, here come the next group. Next group picks up about 50 strong. And here they come. They do the same thing. Hit them. They lock up. And here they coming in. And about that time, they, I said, kill them. They went, ooh. I put them up, pop, pop. And back then, limit was two. I, I dropped two. I said, well, there's my limit. Where is y'all? Anyway, I put my gun back down, and they all start joking and stuff. Now, like, like they're just happy to be shooting, you know. And anyway, and here comes the next group. And then that, that group, they get into them pretty good. I think they dropped five or six. And anyways, we got down to uh, needing like two or three birds. And about that time, the whole wad come, gets up. I mean, it's probably, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 are coming at us. And, and, and they start funneling on top of our heads and sit down, and they lay into them, and I get to screaming and hollering. I'm like, stop! Stop shooting! <laughs> They're like, what? I was like, dude, stop! I, we got a limit. I guarantee it. So we ended up, you know, we had a limit of them for sure. And uh, by the end of the day, they were like, man, you ain't kidding. They was like, them birds were coming. I was like, I told you. But anyway, the more to that story, too, is that you always got to have faith in your guys. There you go. There you go. There you go. I love it. Well, viewers, sorry for uh, Chad's uh, internet connection. He's uh, He is sitting in his truck. I'm pretty sure he's sitting on the farm somewhere in his truck. But uh, I'm sorry for the uh, for the lack of uh, Wi-Fi signals because um, it's getting kind of bad. But we're going to close it off right there. Chad, Guy, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, hell, we'll, we'll see you soon. Duck season's right around the corner. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Gary, it's good talking to you. Good luck at the fire Academy for the rest of the, uh, well, it's Thursday. You don't work tomorrow, do you? No, sir. We're going All bass right. for in the morning now. There you go. You're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> You're lucky. I hate <laughs> I'm so jealous. I'll see you and Chad, I'll see you guys in Arkansas come December, January. All right. All right. All right. See y'all then. Thank See you. you.
See you, boys. Bye-bye.